It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And uh, we are going to be calling our first guest here on the program. The fantastic Paula White. She will join us here in just a few moments, and uh, you can get a hold of us online. CheekyJaguar.com. Paula White is going to join us here in just a few moments. Sorry, but the person you called has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, let's call her again. <laughs> I always love these. Something Greater is the new book. Sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been set up yet. Okay. We're going to call her again. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox. Okay, well, we are going to do this. Let's get Don Mazzella and IQR Rizzoli on the line. And uh, we will do this. Gotta love the uh, Super Mario music. And I believe there's IQ hours only, and I'm waiting on the great Don Mazzella to pick up the the horn. And uh, we are going to try to get our guest on here in just a few moments. Uh, we kept getting voicemail, so we are going to do a, a segment here with uh, just uh, just the two of them, and then we will uh, go into our guest segment. IQ, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good, actually. And uh, Don, can you hear us? I don't know if Don's on yet or not. Supposedly, there's two in the call. So supposedly, Don is going to be joining us here in just a few moments. But uh, we have got IQ Al Rizzoli with us here for our first segment. And uh, IQ, there is a... Uh, Heck of a lot going on. What do you make of this? John Bolton is going to testify and uh, defy uh, the administration and Donald Trump and everyone. Honestly, I don't know because I loved uh, John Bolton for a long time. I have, pre I like what he says. He's aggressive. He knows more about Islam than most of the people in the State Department. But whether he will testify against the president or not, I cannot answer that. We have to wait and see. If he does, then he turns out to be a really nasty character. If he does. Now, what would motivate someone like that to uh, to to be in the administration and then kind of flip and uh, and do all that? I, I can't figure it out honestly. I mean, <clears throat> I don't like the way <clears throat> the president got rid of him. Okay, you, you disagree. If he disagrees with him, fine, no problem. Can disagree and tell him okay. 
that's part of the way. But to, he insulted him at the same time, which I don't think was correct. Look, people can be malicious when they are, when they feel they were humiliated and insulted. They want to return. Whether he will or not, honestly, we don't know. We will have to wait and see. If he's a man of character, no, he wouldn't do it. If he's a man of no character, well, I was wrong about him. Simple. That's all there is to it. We have got IQ Al Rizzoli with us today, and uh, we are going to try to get our guest on the line here. Hopefully we can uh, get uh, our guest here. Apparently, okay, apparently that's not going to happen. So we are going to, uh, we're getting a lot of calls here because we're trying to uh, put this together. So we are going to try... The other number here for Pastor White, uh, live here on TalkAmeraInJiggyJaguar.com, and uh, we are going to try another number here for Pastor Paula White. She is supposed to join us today, and getting Don Mazzella to chime in here, and we'll go to him as soon as I can get uh, Pastor White on the line here. Hopefully we... uh, can get Pastor Paula White with us. Uh, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> it's live radio. This is Sheila. Sorry, I can't get to the phone right now. Please leave a detailed. Okay. Well, uh, I'm not not getting anything out of uh, Pastor Paula White. Uh, so we are gonna, I guess, go to IQ. Okay. I'm, 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 there we are. I'm and uh, well, we I tried to get Pastor Paula White in here. She was supposed to be our guest today. I I got two phone numbers, both of them went to voicemail. So we're gonna go so ahead you got us again, huh? and and just do IQ and Dawn here now. Um, uh, Dawn IQ was was uh, giving me his thoughts on John Bolton testifying against Trump. What do you make of that happening? Well, that's that's a loaded gun or a firecracker about to go off. If he's smart. He'll he'll, uh, he'll back uh, President Trump to the hilt if he's dumb, which I think he is. I've known uh, Bolton 30-odd years. And, um, well, well, let me put it this way. In the Parthenon of intelligent people, I wouldn't put him. Um, So uh, um, I I really think he's going to throw President Trump under the bus. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Um... But what can I say? He's the, uh, uh, you know, he's a loaded gun. He can come in there and uh, exonerate the president, uh, or he can go in there. Uh, I'm repeating myself. I, I, there's nothing you can say. You got to wait till um, uh, he testifies, then ask us the question, Jiggy, and then it'll, uh, <laughs> well, and then then it'll make much more sense. John. <laughs> Don, by the way, that's exactly what I told James a few minutes ago. We have to wait and see. 
whether he's a man of character or a man lacking character. Now, uh, well, you know, I, I, I believe we've got our... Well, hold on a sec. I, I believe... Is sadly lacking in Washington yes, today. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, we. I think we've got our guest, uh, Pastor Paula White, with us today. I managed to get her on Skype. Paula, can you hear us? I can. I'm in a public place, so you're probably going to pick up some uh, noise here. Hey, that's fine. Not not an issue. We just we 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 had you scheduled, and we were talking with your your PR person, and he gave us this uh, this Skype ID. So we uh, attempted to get you on. We were really excited to talk to you today, my friend. It's it's my honor. Um, you know what? I, do you want me to give you my personal number? Or we Actually, uh, we we can go with this. Your audio sounds fine. We can we can go ahead and do this, Paula. Okay, sounds good. We have got uh, the great Paula White with us today. Pastor Paula White is the uh, personal minister and spiritual advisor to President Donald J. Trump. She's also the author of the brand new book, Something Greater, Finding Triumph Over Tragedy. She hosts a television show called Paula White Today. And um, Paula, tell us, uh, first of all, about your book here, Something Greater. And then I know that Don and IQ will have some questions for you. I'm really excited. Decided, uh, to release something greater. It is based on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that God has put eternity in our heart, a divine sense of purpose, yet man cannot fathom it. And there are those times in life that we think, is God even with us? What is going on? How could this be happening to me? I've had many moments like that in my life. Uh, it is my memoir. It is my life story. But it's really God's story through my life. It's all of our story. It's the story of humanity. It's the story of what God can do in our life. It's the story of his grace and his mercy, his goodness, his peace, his redemption, his restoration. Uh, it's laden with all kinds of uh, quite a quite an adventurous and broad life. It's written kind of like, uh, it's not a chapter book. It's written more like uh, Angela's Ashes, which is scene one, scene two, scene three childhood pretty rocky my uh, father came to from a well-to-do family though he committed suicide when i was five years old sexually and physically abused and my my mother became an alcoholic she had two masters and her her doctorate and yet i really lost both parents at a young age and so i was looking for love in all the wrong places and just wanted to fill that empty love tank i was an overachiever and at 18 years old have a divine encounter with god really get awakened to the things of uh, spirituality and pray a prayer. I'd never been in church, never raised in church or a Christian home. And I had a real true divine encounter and just wanted to spend the rest of my life helping people. I actually started ministry up in D.C. Talk about that, going and somebody gave me a turkey and I took half of it down to an advocate, Mitch Schneider, and started feeding the homeless. And this was back in the early 80s. So this was uh, the murder capital of the world at the time and worked in some rough places and did ministry basically going out into the inner cities and ministering to the young boys and girls and uh, it's like with all kinds of stories from Kid Rock to Michael Jackson to everyone wants to know how did I become the spiritual advisor to President Trump I go through the difficulties of midlife in 2002 I'm writing can life get any better 2003 we'd come against pornography very hard in the city of Tampa uh, find ourselves in an investigation it would be a criminal investigation with the IRS and FBI. We were three years. It would be exonerated and cleared in six months. My ex-husband would have a breakdown, uh, get addicted to drugs, and open the door to women. Went through a very unwanted divorce. Um, 
believed God that my marriage would make it. It would be the miracle. Like, it would make it. It didn't. And uh, I had a child when I married my ex-husband, biological child. He had three, and I helped raise them from the time they were two, five, and seven. Uh, we love our children, our world, and uh, our oldest daughter would get cancer and die of cancer. So it was a very difficult, to say the least, time. And I want the reader to know that you know, sometimes you understand that you don't understand. Your faith doesn't prevent life. It carries you through life. And those were not events that were God sent, but now it took me nine years to really land to feel like I could write the book and two years to actually write it. But I feel like I have some wisdom and experience to tell people that might be a chapter in your life, but it's not the final story. It might be a, you know, a paragraph. It's not the final chapter that God really does have the last say and that I didn't let go of God and God didn't let go of me. So that's what something greater is all about. And people can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, books a million. And it's funny that thousands of articles and all the kind of swirl and stuff people say out there. I don't think they've ever really listened to a sermon, but they can certainly find out who I am by reading the book. <laughs> now, Don, uh, do you have any questions for the pastor? Well, first thing uh, 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 what came to mind was what my mother used to say. Uh, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. Exactly. You know, exactly. when I'm I'm listening to you, uh, um, um, my problems uh, 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 seem relatively un, um, un, un, unimportant. Uh, but I, I guess I'm going to ask a question with, um, uh, it's a little bit off the topic, but what amazes me about President Trump is the fact that you can bang him, people bang him every day, yet he seems to be continually just going about his way of doing things. And I'm wondering, um, from your perspective, uh, what do you, where does he gain his inner strength to do that? Well, it is just that. It's an inner strength and fortitude, and faith is a big part of his life, and also his foundation, his family. When people understand how... I met and became not just, this didn't start with politics, this is an 18-year relationship. He was watching me on Christian television, called me up, said, you have the it factor. And I said, sir, we call that the anointing. And, you know, I was playing around. They said, Mr. Trump's online. I was like, yeah, sure, sure. You know, kind of like, sure, he is. And uh, we got into conversation and found out a lot about his life, and one thing led to another because New York was a very large market for me, was up there quite often, had a big church. I became very close with him, his entire family, his staff. So I, I, I love telling about the man and the husband, the father, you know, the employer, the boss, and people don't recognize. They think faith was part of the political thing. Not at all. His mother was a very strong Christian. He was confirmed a praying woman confirmed as a Presbyterian, grew up in church, went to Saturday school, Sunday school all the time. Then they changed their membership to Norman Vincent Peels. And often you say Norman Vincent Peel and people think power, positive thinking, you know, etc. But they don't recognize Norman Vincent Peel came up in New York right after the Depression, when New York and our nation was in a very discouraging, hopeless time. And he took the gospel with modern-day parables and would talk about people's life as the gospel applied to it. And and not only very appealing, but very practical 
uh, it wasn't just looking at the Bible through 2,000 years of stained glass and powdered pews. It was it was very modern day. And I know President Trump, one of his favorite sermons, and he's repeated so many to me. In that first phone call, I was quite amazed because he didn't just say that. He had watched me on Christian television, and he said, I was preaching a series called Value of Vision. And he, he literally quoted them almost almost verbatim. I thought, man, he listens better than my congregation. So one of his favorite sermons on uh, Norman Vincent Peale, he was talking about not quitting. And he talked about Jim Sloan, how he worked his way up through GM and, and the hardships he had to overcome and how he never quit. And, and I know I've heard then Mr. Trump on many, many uh, times giving speeches, whether it was him at Bill's Anchors or the Learning Ants or, or Annex. He was giving speeches all the time. I, I think I could give his six points better than him sometimes. And and one of those was the very end, never quit. And he's just, he has an inner fortitude. Now that doesn't mean that he's not human and it doesn't bother him when you, you know, when what his family's had to endure, no human being should have to go through. No one should have to go through that. And uh, so I just really say that, you know, I think his the people that surround him, his faith, that inner fortitude, his mindset, his resilient spirit, and that's truly, I've watched him do it. You know, again, we think of him now, look at, read the art of the deal and just think how he's walking down the street and looked over at the homeless guy and said, hey, if he's worth a dollar, saying to Marla at the time, he said, how much do you think, how much wealthier is he than us? I think he said it was, you know, close to a billion, nine hundred and something million. And I many conversations. How did you you know, what'd you do? He said, I worked back into my routines. This is a man that is very tough. I think we need someone who's tough. There's a tenderness to him on the inside, but he has a very strong inner fortitude. Well, can I um, can I follow up and ask another question? Yeah, yeah it seems you know we've had uh, um, presidents before him that have uh, worn their religion on their on their sleeve, yet we 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 never really hear about the religious side of uh, Donald Trump. Is that deliberate or not? I think um, you do if you listen, but in some ways it is. Um, you listen if you hear him say, we worship God and not government. You hear it in uh, those moments where if he's looking at the military or people, soldiers that are coming home or families he's dealing with in private, if he's having Otto Warmbrier's family in and asks me to come up and uh, do service or pray over him all the time, pray for the family. Um, when he got into politics, I mean, he carried his mother's Bible very proudly, his, his picture being confirmed. But I was actually sitting with him and, and then governor, or he was, you know, candidate Huckabee after um, Mike Huckabee had dropped out of the race and we were up at Trump Towers and I had watched what the media was doing to him, the fake news. And I said, listen, they're, they're coming a mile after you with everything, including your faith. And I said, I could see people asking him theological questions and he's not a theologian. He's not a pastor, just like most people are. They wouldn't know, you know, if you were coming after them with a theological question a mile away. <laughs> And so I said, you know, be you. Just, I said, I recommend, and my recommendation was keep your faith very private and personal. 
you know, it's it's dear to you. God knows who you are, and and He's done that. But but you hear it all the time. I mean, look at how He campaigned and what He put. I mean, even this past national, you know, day of prayer, He's like, we put Mary back in Christmas. And it's a simplistic way of saying how important that was. Like when you take God out of everything. And you end up with a godless society. There's going to be some serious consequences. You see it in this policy, from pro-life to religious liberties, and on and on. I'd much rather have a very real man that, uh, you know, instead of one that is a, a trained to go out and I, look. When you're in big ministry, I've I've been. We all have been courted by about every president I had since Bush Sr. Yeah. And I have a relationship with them all. And so I've heard people that have worked with the Reagan administration and Bush administration and many others say we've never had the kind of access and really to be a part of his spiritual life like we do. So and these are not photo ops or these are times when we really are praying with the president and, you know, he loves that. Well, Don, go ahead. Oh well, I have another question. I happen to be uh, um, be, be friends with uh, one of the leading uh, ecumenical uh, people uh, in the country, and um, we talk often about the fact that uh, secularism seems to be overwhelming uh, us, uh, the religious side of uh, of life in America today. Um, uh, what, what do you say to that? Well, statistically, it's, it's proven that atheism and agnostic is on the rise. It's very concerning. Uh, we see that um, there is a decline in your mainline uh, Protestant churches. Uh, those are facts. Those are stats, I guess, if we can believe the polling. Who knows? Um, but I believe there's a remnant. I, I don't believe God is through with America. I don't believe he's through with uh, his people. He's just, as long as there are hungry hearts that are reaching out, I think um, this didn't happen overnight. Uh, I think we're making some, you know, radical moves of first off repentance and prayer and uh, seeking the Lord in his face. And, you know, it, it takes, when God wants to change a nation, he changes a person and that heart's person, um, changes a family and changes a community and ultimately a nation and so to see the openness when when five of us prayed in the name of jesus and uh our precious rabbi brother rabbi Iyer prayed um six people praying um on when for his inauguration when you begin to think about the impact of that and the significance my dear friend franklin graham been sued many times for praying in the name of jesus and it was like People of religion did not want to, you know, stop everyone else from their uh, civil rights or, you know, legalities or constitutional rights. But we certainly did not want to be stifled and not be able to freely worship God the way we do. And our president obviously has been a huge advocate for religious liberty. Well, I'm not so much worried about the uh, the government uh, roadblocks as the, as uh, our uh, Social, our entertainment, our, our world has kind of said, uh, being uh, whether you're Jewish or, uh, or uh, Protestant or Catholic, etc., we, we seem to be saying that uh, 
um, being a, quote, good person or a Judeo-Christian person is uh, almost passe. Uh, we're seeing it, um, I see it more and more uh, here in the Northeast, but uh, it's, all, it, uh, it's all over the place. And uh, quite frankly, it worries me. Um, I understand. Uh, I, I do too. I mean, I mean, it, it, you know, in an ideal world for me, uh, church attendance would be climbing. There would be true repentance. Uh, and what we mean by that is I changed my mind. I changed my direction. Um, there'd be an understanding of who God is and honoring a reverence of that. It would uh, affect every area of life. Uh, starting with, you know, our hearts getting right and rectified with God. And then that begins to flow through. And we obviously love God with all our heart, all our mind, and all of our soul. You know, and that's, that's his command. And um, I, I am a hopeful person that believes that, you know, there is a, that there is an awakening, that, that God has a plan, and that, you know, his love will reach this world, and we will return to God. Reminds me of the uh, uh, soldier in the foxhole and says, I sure hope they're sending the ar artillery so uh, soon because we're, we're in trouble right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, isn't that artillery the power of prayer and unity? And that's what the enemy is good at, you know, is trying to divide. Think about when the Apostle Paul said, um, Know ye not that you're the temple of God? If any man defile the temple, then shall God destroy And we use that scripture so out of context, thinking like that that's our personal um, sins or our personal nature. But what he's talking about with sectarianism, he's talking about division in the body of Christ. And, you know, we who are spiritual in Galatians 6.1 are to restore others. So there's, uh, you know, I think we know judgment starts in the house of God. We've got a lot of work to do in the church. Well, yes, but uh, how do you, uh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to IQ after this question, I don't want to monopolize, but, but how do you get people to come back to the church when, in effect, the family is uh, bre breaking down, uh, the cohesion of the family? You learn religion, I believe, uh, from the family circle rather than, than, than from, the, uh, from the church. You go to the church because of the family, and that seems to be breaking down. Well, absolutely, there's a, I mean, absolute tie there, but I'll give it myself as an example. We talk about this in something greater. My book, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with any realization of spirituality whatsoever. I didn't grow up in a good parenting home, and yet God's love reached me when I was 18 years old. I went to my boyfriend's grandmother's house and his uncle looked me in my eyes and gave me truth, opened up the word of God, told me I was a sinner. I didn't like the things he was telling me, you know, <laughs> I didn't like it. But there was this uh, overwhelming compassion and love, told me that God had a plan for my life, walked me through the book of Romans, the plan of God for the world. So God's revelation of his word is great, is so great. Now, with that, absolutely two sacred institutions in the earth are the church and the family. So I believe, you know, I don't believe anything is greater than the power of God. But the enemy is not so powerful, but he's very strategic. And when I say that, I'm talking about Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, 
powers, wickedness, and darkness, that we do know there is a real spiritual world. There's angels, dark ones, and light ones. There's good, there's bad. There's, uh, you know, justice, and there's injustice. So with that, the Bible says in Revelations that that at the end, when the world shall be judged, that we'll say this is the worm who deceived nations. It says he's the father of liars, so he operates in deception. And there has been maybe a, a, a plan from evil forces that work through people uh, to destroy the family. And culture, unfortunately, has not um, upheld the, the family. And I come from a broken family and uh, you know, married very young and went through a divorce. It is one of the most horrific things that you can have that can happen. There were legal uh, there was biblical basis for my uh, divorce. I talk about it very openly in the Word of God. I talk about the destruction of how sin, which means to miss the mark, what it does in our life. So absolute consequences. When the family falls apart, then sure, church is going to fall apart too. May I ask one more? Because she opened up. Uh, yeah, go uh, ahead, uh, Don. You you mentioned about um, you learned that you were a sinner. What I'm seeing today is that uh, most people um, are not recognizing that they are, in the traditional sense, sinning. I mean, uh, you know, they they simply will not accept it that um, that they're doing anything wrong, and uh, um, that to me is more worrisome. uh, something happened a couple of days ago, which absolutely shocked me. That they, that that person did not believe he he or say she was, was doing anything wrong. Yet yeah. in, in the end, a lot of people were hurt, uh, were and are going to be hurt. And uh, you sit there and say, uh, "Don't you understand?" And the person said, "No, I'm not doing anything wrong." So uh, I'm seeing more and more of that. And, uh, and if you're a police reporter or someone dealing with, with uh, 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 everyday life, it's becoming more and more apparent that people are not considering what we, I'm a, an older guy, 76, would consider a sin. They don't consider it anything but the normal everyday practice. Well, the Bible's really clear um, that when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. It also shows us in Galatians and all throughout the Word that there are, it says, calls it doctrines of devils and seducing spirits that actually deceived entire regions, entire nations. And unfortunately, when there is spiritual blindness and there's not um, eyes to see, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 and 18, that the eyes of your understanding might be in light that you may know. And that word know is not head knowledge, but it's knowledge. It's the same word in the Hebrew as Adam knew Eve and conceived uh, Seth. So it's an intimate knowledge with God, a relationship with God that you may know what is the hope, you know, of the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Proverbs chapter 20 says, the Lord has made the eye to see and the ear to hear. We know that it all starts with God has to unveil, and that starts through people praying. You know, we don't have, I mean, I've been in ministry and been saved for 35 years now, 
And we, you know, of course, at our ministry, we have all night prayer. We have prayer all the time. But that that was a regular part of being a, a Christian and a believer is to pray, to fast, to repent. Um, in a simple way, I say you can't conquer what you don't confront and you can't confront what you don't identify. And to acknowledge something as sin means to miss the mark. That it doesn't mean that we're horrible, bad people. It means that we've fallen short. And the hope for that, our answer for that, is God has made a way through his son, Jesus, which God the Father, I never thought I'd have to defend the Trinity until recently, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, when you think about the plan that they created before the foundation of the earth, the Lamb of God was already slain, that God knew we would sin, we would mess up, we would miss the mark, that we all had a rebel in us, according to Isaiah chapter 53. And he dealt with the root of that when Jesus became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in right standing with God. So the pathway to God was the acceptance of his son, Jesus Christ. Did he finish that work on the cross? And until people understand and get the revelation of the truth of the cross, of course, we don't, you know, we don't like to feel shame in our, in our sin. We don't like the stigma of it. We don't, you know, we'll always, flesh will always try to move that line. But the, the greatest freedom is the Holy Spirit loves us. God loves us. Jesus loves us to bring conviction. I talk about that in my book, Something Greater. I was, I got saved at a friend's house. I was living with my boyfriend. I didn't know that was sin. I'd never heard it. But I, I looked at him, you know, after about a week or two, and I said, I can't do this. He said, what do you mean? And I, I don't know, just this. I can't do this. Well, I didn't even understand this. You know, it was not right in the sight of God. You know, and it was what we call sin. And so that conviction comes with relationship with God. We don't get to, if you do want to, we, we can choose our own way, choose our own agenda, but there's consequences, great consequences for that. And, you know, I think you know, everyone wants to play it popular, but there's time that you go, am I purposeful or am I popular? Am I in alignment with, I believe the word of God is inerrant, infallible, and true. That is an excellent, excellent point. We have got Paula White with us today. Something Greater is the latest from her. So what are some of your goals for this book? You know, that it would minister to people the a few things. The hope that God is not through with them. It is, a, it is my story. It's my memoir. But it's really God's story of how he works through all humanity. And my hope is that people will be free, whether it's through what I went through as a child, through you know, what I went through with my ex-husband, and I mean, I talk about how he had a complete breakdown, we'd gone under investigation, everything that we'd gone through, how my stepdaughter, but I'd raised our children together, would die of cancer, I went into a deep depression, went through a very difficult time, but God's not finished, God is a God of mercy and grace, and if you continue to reach for God, and don't let go of God. God will never let go of you. Micah chapter 7 verse 8 says, When I sit in darkness, the light of the Lord will come to me. It says, When I fall, I shall arise again. Not if, but when I fall. So there are those moments in our life that none of us would want as part of our script. Whether they're known or not, unfortunately, my life was just a very public life. I talk about the lunacy of becoming a commodity 
I'm very brutally honest and open. People say it's a page turner, it's authentic, it's real. And we know according to Revelation chapter 12, we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which means the evidence of God in our life. So I pray that they'll see evidence of what God can do through all of our lives. It also helps people find their purpose. And purpose isn't just this little floozy word we throw around all the time. We seem to talk a lot about it. But purpose is your supreme reason for being. God really does have a plan for you. If I can help someone discover it through his word and develop it and define it and live out the the life that God has for you, which I'm going to go back to that other word that people don't like so much called repentance. You know, I prayed yesterday a prayer, right? When we were praying on a national prayer line. And I prayed five prayer points. First one was repentance. Repentance for ourselves, for the sins of our forefathers, for any wrongdoing that's brought any injustices on us. The second one, I prayed Second Timothy, um, excuse me, for Timothy 2 2, that we would pray for all those in authority, from our president all the way down to mayors, that their heart would be inclined to God. The third one was we prayed over. Uh, President Trump and his family, a hedge of protection, Ephesians 6, 12, the fourth one, and I can go on, you know, then we prayed, it landed in, in prayer five, which was revival and an awakening in the church. Of course, what does, you know, media carry out? Paul is praying against, you know, the spirit of Jezebel and Leviathan and Abaddon, which the Bible mentions as strongholds, and I do pray against strongholds. But they never start with the, the step one. You know? The greatest thing we have to do is repent. Come back to God. Turn our heart. Turn our life. Turn our families. Turn back to God. Now, IQ Al Rizzoli, uh, you've been listening to all this. Uh, IQ, what, what, what do you make of uh, Pastor Paula, what, what she's saying here? Well, what she's doing is amazing. But let me explain something to you from my point of view as an outsider looking into America. The fall, the increase of secularism is the fault of the leadership in the churches in the West, whether it's Europe or America. And not only in the churches, the Christian ones, even in the synagogues, the Jewish ones. They have watered down their own belief system. They never kept the Gospels for what they were. They watered them down, whitewashed them. Liberal Jews, or so-called Jews who are liberal, they don't follow the whole of the Torah. Who supports Donald Trump? The religious Jews. Who supports Donald Trump? The Christian fundamentalists. Why do they do that? Because they believe. They are believers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, the only people in the whole world who are dedicated to their belief system in the 90 percentage point, are Muslims. Mm. It's frightening, but it's a fact. When Friday comes, 90 percent of them go to the mosque. When Sunday comes, 10 percent go to the churches. And that's a fact. This is why it fails. Because the leadership are mealy-mouthed. They are not brimstone and fire. This is what activates people. Truth. If you believe in the Gospels, you must follow it 100%. The minute you start whitewashing it and picking and choosing, well, that's it. It's not the Gospels anymore. The same thing with the synagogues. 
70% of Jews in America who support the Democrat Party are brain dead. They are really brain dead. Not because they are Jews. They are brain dead because they are supporting the very people who are against them. Now that means brain dead. Then correct me if I'm wrong. IQ, the last time you were, you were wrong, uh, uh, the sun uh, rose in the uh, the west. <laughs> and by the way, it did. It did. Uh, Paula, if I may, can I jump in? Uh, yeah, give go you ahead. An interest, interesting thing. Um, in, uh, because uh, Jiggy had uh, sent, sent uh, last week a note about you, I happened to be uh, talking to a group of uh, high school students and I asked them a simple question, which was, how many of you read the Bible uh, in the last month? And there, and there were about 50 people in the, in the class. And only one, one uh, young man hesitantly raised his hand and said, I, I read it every day. The rest of them have not. I I understand where you and the other uh, and the other evangelicals that we're, we're talking to talk about the Bible as a as a source of guidance and uh, repentance, but it worries me that young people today are simply not reading the Bible. They're not reading anything, whether they're Catholic, Protestant. Evangelical, ba the, the Baptists are even getting uh, uh, starting to uh, pull away from this. Um, what do you say to that? Well, first, um, and thank you guys for this interview. I hate to have to run in a minute. They've got me getting ready to do another one, but I do believe I'm going to go back to what I've said that it, without the Word of God, which is the truth, it's our bedrock, it's our foundation. There can be no revelation. There can be no, you know, John, Jesus makes it very clear in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that I believe as believers who do know, we must pray. When the disciples came to Jesus, they didn't say, teach us how to build a big church, teach us homiletics, teach us hermeneutics. They said, teach us how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And they said, he, of course, he responded with, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And will means the decision, the decree of God. It's two different English words. The word in is the same in the English, but in the Greek, it's in, in, and epi. And what it means is to superimpose through the power and the vehicle of prayer, the will of God in the earth. Uh, if my people, which are called by my name, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which we know so well, will humble themselves, right? We've got to um, humble ourselves, deal with the pride in our life, deal with you know, self-sufficiency. It seems like the more materialistic we've become, the, the, you know, the drunker we've gotten on our own success. And statistics show that in many, many ways. Um, nothing wrong with uh, having, uh, you know, good things. I say there's just, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's something wrong with money having you. So it's, uh, it's saying here that, you know, when we, if we don't make God the, the bedrock and our firm foundation, we already know how things turn out. So I encourage everyone, uh, especially those of us who know, we must be vigilant and 
and praying and believing and preaching truth and preaching the word. It is very concerning to see uh, the millennial or younger generations, the, the spiritual state. But I also believe that it is our responsibility as elders to make sure that we teach the younger. So I pray that people will get the book something greater at Amazon or Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. I'd love to come back on with you guys. Um, it's always interesting and uh, fun. And please keep praying and know that I believe God's not through. Well, I appreciate it, Paula. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. Appreciate it. There she goes, Pastor Paula White. And uh, Don Mazzella and IQ Al-Rizzoli with us today here on our program. IQ, uh, give, give us your thoughts on the interview. No, I was hoping she would answer my question, but she didn't. Yeah, nope. I wasn't real sure why, why, why she ducked that, but, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a simple question. From my point of view, if the leadership in the church is not 100%, how do they expect the men and women who are not cognizant of the whole Bible uh, to follow it up? It's impossible. The failure of the leadership is difficult. Yeah? Take the Pope. This is not Catholicism. I'm not talking about Catholic uh, belief system. The Pope, under his watch, the greatest number of Christians were persecuted or murdered under his watch. He never once stood up against it. Why? Because it was Muslims who are doing it. And he wants to make love with the Islam. You can't make love with Islam. You can't make love with a snake. You can't make love with a scorpion. But he wants to make love. Now, Don, are you Catholic? Maybe you are. I don't know. The question is, am I right or am I wrong? Mm, I'm, I'm what's called a fallen away Catholic. I'm, I'm a guaranteed a priest because I made nine first fr fr Fridays in a row. That means <laughs> I get a priest when I die. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, I, uh, I'm a sinner like the rest of us. Um, anyway, uh, uh, I'm, I'm joking now, IQ, but you, you, you're making a good point. And if I may jump in here, um, coming to the point, yesterday I attended a lunch, luncheon, uh, speaker um, has a new book out about Pope Francis and about the, the changes that are occurring inside the Catholic Church, which are monumental. Uh, uh, as I said, I, I talked with Bill Rush, who, by the way, Jiggy, you should have on your pro program, um, who, you know, who's at the Yale Divinity School, Lutheran minister, and is an advisor to not only the Pope, but the, uh, Benson, uh, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church and the Ukrainian Orthodox tr Church. But what they're all talking about is that there is a massive changes going on in the leadership in the church. It's, it's glacial in, in nature and, uh, uh, for the most part, unreported. But when you hear these people talk, and I sit, and I know it's hard for you to believe, but I keep my mouth shut and listen. But they talk when they talk about the changes that are occurring, and IQ, you're absolutely right. The leadership in the church over the last 40 years, I'll talk about the Catholic Church, um, ignored 
uh, tremendous changes both in society and within the church. And we can talk about uh, uh, the the, uh, exploiting of youth, but there are also other changes going on. And um, uh, they they have failed in their leadership, uh, and they are trying to to make the changes. And they uh, and it's uh, it was a question I brought up at the luncheon, and they said the church. I'm talking only now the Catholic Church. The church recognizes the threat of Islam, but but it it, it has so many other internal issues that it is difficult to grapple with all of them. And the hope is that there, there might be um, uh, changes and, and things happening that will perhaps avoid the catalysm that you, uh, IQ, every time I talk to you, bring up, and I think uh, uh, face us all. I'll shut up now and let you talk. No, no, look, it's simple questions. I never ask complicated questions. I never do that. Here, from my point of view, I'm not a religious person, but I don't have to be religious to believe in God. The leadership in the West, by all the churches, they have ignored what was happening to the Christians in my country, Iraq, in the whole of the Middle East, and in the whole of the Islamic world. How is that possible? Why, in the 21st century, the most persecuted people on the planet are Christians by Muslims, and everybody is quiet. Why is that? It's the corruption of the leadership, obviously. If the leadership has got a backbone, they will stand and say, hey, enough is enough. But nobody is doing it, especially not the Pope. On the other hand, he is hugging the supreme leader in the Azhar University. The Azhar University, the supreme leader there, hates the Pope, hates Christianity, hates the Jews, hates the Hindus, and hates the Buddhists. And he wants to make peace with him. You can't well, my, peace. my question, IQ, is why is there so much hate in the world today? No, there was always hate. Well, it, there was always hate. Humans, look, religion was created Literally, whether God created it, man created it, is irrelevant. But religion was created to control the passions of the human race. To control them. What are the Ten Commandments? If people follow only the Ten Commandments, nothing else. What's wrong with that? What does the Ten Commandments tell you that is not even, not sorry, which is irrelevant? To believe in God, to believe in your parents, to Follow, not to cheat other people, not to covet another woman from somebody else, not to give lies, not to lie, not, what's wrong with all of that? It's the foundation of every civilized society. Ten Commandments. What do you have in the Constitution? The Constitution of the United States of America was based and written by people who were completely believers, complete believers in the Bible. No yes. question. Thank yes. you. Thank you. That's it. I raised my case. <laughs> I don't need to say more than that. The problem you have in the United States and the problem we have in Europe is that the leadership, both in universities, the schools, and politicians, have turned away from not only God, but 
have turned away from patriotism. They don't teach in America anymore the Constitution. They don't teach American history. And when they teach American history, they talk about white people and Christians are the ones who are guilty of everything. Amen <laughs> to that. Yeah, but I mean, look, and I'm, I'm a bloody outsider. I can see it. How is it possible that in, a, in America they can't see it? But when you're in the far, when you're in the forest, it's hard to see where the sun is. Yeah, but I've been doing it for twelve years. You can't be in the forest for twelve years. <laughs> That's fantastic. It, it's it's not what you said; it's the way you said it. IQ. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. By the way, you had Robert Spencer. Yes, yes. On 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 Tuesday, we had uh, we had Robert Spencer. Yes. He is. The foremost authority in Islam on Islam in America, foremost, and he com he literally proved everything I have been talking to you about the last eight years. Proved it. He, whatever I taught you, he said that is exactly what it is. When I said Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible, he said yes. When I said that. Islam is incompatible with everything to do with Christianity and Judaism. He said yes. Why? Because it's obvious. It should be obvious. You don't need a super intelligent human being to teach you these things. It's obvious. You can see it 24 hours on television. What do you think? I mean, am I wrong? Again, am no, I wrong? No. No. It, it is. It is. It's kind of like. Um... When Don always says, you know, I love talking to IQ, but then afterwards I'm scared to death for a couple of days. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm, uh, you know, I get my, my the dose of fear every time IQ's on. <laughs> Look, I love talking to you because, first of all, you're logical. And also... Well, you're... don't let that get around. That'll ruin your reputation. <laughs> Look. The beauty of it is we can laugh. Yes. But don't forget the immortal words of Gina Lola Brigida when Rock Hudson said to her, be logical. She replied, I don't have to be logical. I'm Italian. I try to keep it light. Uh, the, uh, IQ, what you say is so heavy and so true. Uh, that oftentimes the Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.